Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat and guests over the next couple of hours. If you want to join in, don't forget the usual numbers. 086-1800-658-WhatsApp or text to me on that number or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Well, we're beginning today with a wander down memory lane. Cinema in Kells. There is no cinema in Kells. No, there's not. But there were cinemas in Kells up until 1982. And joining me is a man that spoke to me on the shore a few years back when he retired as a postman in Fordstown. Very popular guy he was indeed. But I didn't know or never mentioned him back then, nor he to me, that he was the last manager of the Oscar Cinema in Kells that closed in 1982. Raymond Lynch, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Lovely to talk to you again. Hi. Hey, you, you, you gave me a bummer. I said 81. It's 82 it closed, wasn't it? It's January 82, Jerry. Yeah, we crossed the lines a bit on <laughs> January 82 it went. What's, what's yeah. a year between friends, Raymond? Anyway. Absolutely not. It's getting older, you would know. Not at all. Not at all. Tell me this. Look at you were legendary, as I said, as a postman in the Fordstown area. How long did you manage the cinema for? Uh, I managed it from late 1978 up until 1981 till it closed. The last three years I went into it in 1973. James Allen was the manager at that stage. Mm. And then he left after a couple of years. We did his own business. And then Sam Black took over as manager after that. And Sam did it for a while and he got the commitment or whatever. And Lord mercy Sam is not with us anymore. And then Tony Jones came in as manager after after that and Lord Mercy and Tony Tony used to show the films as well for us but Tony I don't know it didn't work out either and he gave it up and then it closed for a very short time sometime in the mid-summer of late summer of 1978 and it was owned by a group of people called Modern Irish Theatres who uh, they were based in Dublin but they had other cinemas in Kildare and Newbridge and I think they had one in Tullamore as well and their area manager came up to us at the time Tom McCabe had to close it do a bit of revamping in the later days of 78 and he says to me will you do it I says I kind of do want the responsibility of you at the time and I was young and you know what yeah. you'd be thinking and I says he said, I'll stay with you for a week or two and he booked into the Headford Hotel and he stayed with me for a week or two and he schooled me in and you know how to get on with it and I started it and that was it I was the last man out the door in the <laughs> end at 12 o'clock on that Monday I think on the 30th of January 82 I was the last man out the door oh my oh my memories memories yeah, what was the last movie that showed well 
when we showed everything, Jerry, you see, it was open seven nights a week. Mm. We had, uh, well, it was open right through the week. It, it began on uh, every night at eight o'clock. We had a performance. Uh, some nights it would be two films, some nights it would be one film. And that mm. went from eight o'clock every night. Now, when it came to Friday and Saturday night, we had a late show at 11.15, which would be a different film Friday and Saturday night. Mm. And then we had a Sunday matinee as well. But then if it was Walt Disney stuff or children stuff, we'd have a Saturday matinee. And there was an occasion or two, I think in my time, I think we ended up with two or three Saturday matinees. It was a busy outfit in mm. its day. It was opened. It was open seven nights a week, you know. And yes. then there was two late shows as well and there was staff. And, you know, there was... And it was on the kind of the bottom end of Suffolk Street, which Suffolk Street was a very residential street at the time. It yeah. is. But uh, we were there with a big neon sign outside and two big uh, spotlights shining down and we lit the whole bottom of Suffolk Street while we were open, you know. Yeah. And and obviously it, it was busy. It were, yeah. Attendances well, were decent. Seated, I can't remember was it 167 or 169 was the full capacity of it. Mm. In 1973 when Mother Irish Theatre took it over they reduced the capacity bit because they, they took away part of the foyer inside the door and put in a shop into it that mm. was never there. It was only a ticket office there originally and they put in a shop into it and that reduced the seating capacity of this. But of course cinema crowds were falling anyway at mm. the time you know mm. and like that was a kind of it was either 167 or 169 I think it was 99 or 100 downstairs and I think it was 67 up on the balcony. Right. We had two floors, you see. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah, so she was a good, decent-sized oh, cinema. And, and you know, I, I did ask you what was the final one. The final movie you show you, was shown there was what? Uh, the final... Uh, uh, oh, God, no, no, I can't uh, The Lady Vanishes. The Lady Vanishes. And was that... That was made initially by Hitchcock in the 30s, but was it the remake with Angela Lansbury? I uh, think it was the remake. Of, I, I have to admit, Jerry, that's nice. I never got inside the door. I was outside doing management stuff all night, tidying up the office. Yes. I never even got to see the titles of it. Yeah, I'd night. say it, it was, was the remake. Night, it was yeah. only a one-night show because... It was just the night to close it on it, and that yeah, was, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, Jerry. Yeah, yeah no, I'd, I'd say it was that remake. Actually, when, when you mentioned yeah. that film, film title, um, d- in your time there, and you said you were there from what seventy three or so. Can you remember any of the real biggies that attracted full houses and ran, you know, for oh, quite a yeah. while? The Exorcist was huge. I think we had oh, to yeah. do a booking thing in for it, and yes, you know, we, there was queues, and we were managing queues and trying to squeeze, squeeze in people <laughs> to the best we could. And then you always had to take into account the fire regulations. Yes. Because you had to keep your fire exits clear because, well, the fire people would come in and out occasionally mm. to check for exits and all that sort of thing. But yes. Jaws was another big one at oh. the time, too. There were a few big ones over the years. And then, you see, there was another issue, too. Kells was a small enough town. Yeah. Plus the fact there was a cinema in Old Castle and there was two in Navan, but Trim was already closed at that stage. And they started putting on films that couldn't, were having different difficulty getting it and you'd have to show it for five nights from Monday night right up until Friday night and the audiences were dropping because the population wasn't there to support it for five nights whereas if you had a change after Monday you'd, sometimes you'd have a Monday and Tuesday and you'd have a great return then you'd have a Wednesday and Thursday and you'd have a great return yes. and then you'd have a Friday and Saturday and you'd have a good return with different late shows of course yeah. then you'd be back on Sunday with something else and that was 
we always noticed sometimes on them occasions you had a bigger return than if you had the one on for five nights but then it depends on the film and another thing that the, the powers that be uh, they, they, the, the, the film renters wouldn't rent it to them some nights for two nights or that they'd have to take it for the five nights and this sort of thing you know yes. and, you know there were contributing factors I suppose at the time and it mm. was the 80s and you know coming into the 80s and it wasn't a good place in Ireland as you know like everything else was suffering at that time yeah depression yeah there was a depressed time yeah yeah. 18 months and 300,000 mm. people out of work and all that sort of thing yeah, so, yeah. So it was you know it wasn't the Ireland of today or anything like it and then we didn't have the internet but another thing that was coming in at that point in time Jerry was the videos yeah you know the Betamax the VHS and that was taking big time from of it of course of course yeah. now Jaws and The Exorcist you mentioned you mentioned those late night movies and, and you know you know yourself censorship in Ireland so jeez we couldn't watch anything on the screen <laughs> your man wouldn't let anything through at all but you know those late night movies was yeah. there a little bit of risque around those ah uh, there would be but a lot of them would be horror stuff and another <laughs> thing Jerry they would be cheaper to rent yeah if it, uh, our people like Mother Night Tears or whatever they would be renting them cheaper and there'd be a great return from that because people at that time and I'd quarter past 11 people there'd be a good return because we had a captive audience enough for you uh, believe it or not our audience used to come from as far afield as Kingscourt Nobber Castletown mm. the entire Kells area of course needless to say great show from around that boy Kildalki Beliver and we always got a great show from Trim I right. don't know why because Navin was the other side of us and they were running late shows as well and then Old Castle was the other side of us but down as far as Ballinlough and that we pulled in the Old Castle people as well yeah. we had, we had Good country, yeah, you had a good area to pull from. Hey, Tom's on to me. Tom from Kells. I worked, he says, under four managers in Kells Cinema. Tom, <laughs> and you might not know who that is. And he said, would you ask Raymond Jerry, does he remember any of the staff that worked there? Oh, God, of course I do. Why wouldn't I? John Kerry was our projectionist for years, and John, of course, is not with us anymore. John has passed away. Uh, Tony Jones was a projectionist. Tony has passed away. Sam Black worked with us. Uh, Sam was a former manager. Sam has passed away. The late George McGuinness, a great stalwart of ours, worked with us too. George has passed away. Oh, my God. There was Tommy, there's Tommy McGuinness there and Michael. Michael used to deputise for me as a manager when I was away or whatever. And Tommy was working with us. And Tommy was a, Tommy was a great uh, maintenance man as well because the building of that size, you always had people in and out all the time. And you had running maintenance. Tommy used to do the running maintenance for us. Then the, the girls, we always had cashiers on the desk. We had Geraldine Healy on the desk. We had Denise Cunningham on the desk. We had Ailish Tobin on the desk. We had Rosine Allen on the desk. You know, we always had a kind of idea yes. to do the desk to sell the tickets on the shop end of an allowed step What in about your Russia Rets? Had you the women with the with the flashlights that no, give out with, to you? Uh, it was always both myself and the late Bobby Bell that right. kind of done the, done the usherettes ourselves because downstairs sometimes you'd have a heavier crowd and, well, the women would help out. We'd all interchange into yeah. everything. We were a kind of an interchanging bunch. We could, we, we could go at anything and then we had Noel Gargan who was a relief projectionist too and we had Tom Gaynor who was another relief projectionist and we also had Packy Smith and Packy is not with us anymore. He's gone to 
bow to mercy on a soul to parties gone yeah and, you know we, we, we lots of names and yeah the people, people there you, know. you see I remember the usherettes here in the Drawhead area with the lights coming in if you were at, at a movie and was giggling going on or noise and people wanted to constantly they'd come in and give out yards to you and threaten the to throw you out the lot would be on well sometimes Jerry, with the, with the late shows you'd have the lads the locals in from the pubs and they'd have a few points on them <laughs> They were a little bit noisy, but we were very lucky. We were very the, the, the local guard of Chicago were very good to us in Kelly yeah. over the years, and they'd always make an appearance in on a Friday and Saturday night. And rumours would travel like wildfire. The guards are in the house, okay. and there wouldn't be a sound, Jerry. You wouldn't hear a pin fall. <laughs> 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 what do you think at the times? Oh my God, Jerry. <laughs> weren't they innocent times indeed? Weren't when they, Jerry? you mentioned right, them, yeah. you mentioned things like that. So, um, do you ever break down with the projector in the middle of a movie or anything oh, like yes. that? Oh yes. Oh, Gareth, we would have breakdowns. And the problem was the, the old uh, the old art lamps in Kells were old. They were probably there from the 30s, but there was a man by the name of Mr. Fitzgerald, I think he worked with Rank or some of them, and he would come twice a year to service them and keep them running and everything. But John Carey was our projectionist for years and years and years, and John was a genius. He was able to keep them running himself. And even when John would be off, he was a great bingo player, man. And his nights off, he'd be running in and out and he'd be up and down and Noel, sh- Noel Gargan to be showing the films above. But no, we were always fairly lucky. And things like that, we were lucky, you know. Yeah. Uh, we were lucky. We, you know, and they'd be the that something had happened and you'd be keeping your fingers crossed. Mm, and the big reels with the... Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, I can still see them on the back of the cinema. God, the technology has changed today the, the way they show them now. Oh, the laptop today. Yes. Yes. Or a stick now, you know. Yeah. It, it has come a long way in 40 years, Jerry, I can tell you that. No, you were the last man standing, I the was. last manager of the cinema. So, you and movies, you mentioned a couple there that were very popular. Have you a favourite movie of yours of all time, if I were to put you on the spot? Well, I suppose if you put me on the spot, my my my, my probably one of my old favourites would have been The Quiet Man. Mm. You know, probably yes. would have been one of my old favourites at yes. the time. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, I know. A pet of mine would be the Quiet Man. Yeah, ah, fantastic be. movie, you know, John Wayne, Maureen O'Hara. I'm not a great cinema goer now at all. Right. Okay, so you managed it, but you're not a real. No, you, you no, don't no. go. Of course, I got away from it. You see, yes. I was only 25 yes. at the time. I suppose on. There was a lot of things in front of me, and you know, I don't know. Sure, things were changing by the new time at that time, and mm. you know, I remember well. The last day I was in the place it was on Monday morning. You know, mm. I had to go in at eight o'clock because, well, all the films had to be got ready to be got out, yes. and all the advertisements that they didn't change all the time. You see, and John was there, of course making sure everything went out and poor John was above then cleaning the projection room and everything and then we had Mrs Morris Lord of Mercy on her soul she lived up at Lord Edward Street she was our cleaning lady at the time mm. and I remember when I went in that Monday morning at 8 o'clock Jerry I was out at 12 I had to be gone by 12 and I was the last man out mm. the other had to be gone before me that was the, the arrangement that was but Mrs Morris was there with her buckets and broomsticks and Hoover and her disinfectant you'd think there was an audience coming in that night <laughs> doing the clean you know, up Hor and John nearly didn't believe that there was nothing going to happen I know night. I know you they know, didn't want to either it was the end the end of an era getting yeah. on in years mm. at the time and I was young and carefree and I knew what was happening and mm. then the auctioneer came in at midday that day and I 
he was ever so nice. I don't know if I'd be allowed to have the firm or not, but he was ever so nice. Ah, you know? sure you can. Why not? Well, it was Aidan Heffernan from Royal Auctioneers and Trim. Yes, And if yes. ever was a gentleman, Jerry, he was a lovely man. Yeah, because it was he a sad the day. He of turning the key in the door. Yes. And, and he offered me a job in his own business before he left that day. <laughs> I didn't take, I moved on to other things afterwards. But you know, yeah. you know that was a kind of... Uh, there was a uh, touch. There was a human touch. Human touch. And like, I always remember saying, I remember being back in at a funeral in Kells sometime after, now I don't know how long, it could have been a year or two after. And you see, there was two little shops across the way from the cinema. There was Mickey Byrne one side and there was Johnny Robertson the other side. And I remember meeting some of the residents who lived on the street. And we had good work on them. You know, we knew all the neighbours on the street and they knew us. And one of them says, Ah, Ray. That was the night the lights went out in Suffolk Street. Ah. And they never came back. And they never you came back, is right. For them too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. memories, memories. And yeah, I'm sure you're prompting memories with many people who went to the cinnamon oh, kells. It was yeah, known. The other thing I, should say, or I shouldn't say was your yeah. own motoring correspondent, Tony Condon. Tony used to always come over to us regularly on a Friday night and then this in his lovely British grace and green mini a thousand. <laughs> Tony's around say hello to him. Tony always had the, had the car and still <laughs> always Even has the pick of the cars I have to tell you as well he's still driving the best in the business I have to tell you and he, it was when it closed it was the Oscar it was originally known as the Savoy Cinema That's when it right. opened in 1936 and I can tell you the first movie ever shown in the Savoy Cinema was Rainbow on the River in 1936 now we're going back there to talk you're about back, that movie you're back. a long so, time so Savoy had another branch in Balbriggan as well and yes. they were interlinked and those local business people in the town by the name of uh, Anthony Conlon they were drapers I don't know did they fully own the Savoy and Kelt or were they just uh, part of it I don't yeah. know but they sold it in 1973 and the manager in them days with the Savoy with uh, when Anthony Conlon's ownership or whatever was the late Jim Carroll and he was a council and he retired yes. in 1973 when Mother Irish Theatre. Oh, terrific, terrific memories you have. Listen, I have to leave it there for today, Raymond. Thank you so much for joining me on the show and jogging Pleasure, many Jerry. people's lovely memories. Lovely and lovely to talk to you. You thank too. Thank you for taking the call. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Raymond Lynch there, the last manager of the Oscar Cinema in Kells. Oh, talking to Raymond there brings back my memories to when I went to the cinema first, the Gate Cinema in Drogheda the Abbey, my mother used to give us a few coppers to go to the matinees on Saturday and we loved the cowboys and Indian movies oh my god, he just took me right back there, well Olivia Newton-John tell them your story (laughs) I just remember I was about four and my eldest sister brought me to see Greece in the Lyric Cinema I think in Navin um, so I came home anyway and I said to my mother she'll kill me probably for saying this I'm going to marry um, John Travolta and she said that's grand what are you eating? I said chewing gum <laughs> where'd you get the chewing gum? from under the seat <laughs> at the word manky do you remember? oh yeah people used to put the used gum put under the seat yeah. and little Louise at four got her first taste of chewing gum <laughs> Does oh. your chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight at that famous song of Lonnie Dernigan's used to sing? <laughs> I love I think it. It was furry. Olivia Newton John. Hold on, I'm just closing my eyes Hopelessly here now. Just... devoted to chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, it is. But uh, I'm sure so many people listening today remember the cinema and going there as a child for the first time and enjoying it and loving it. They were special times. They really, really were. What was really your favourite film, Jerry? 
Oh my God. Well, I, I, I told you I, when I was doing the soundtracks to my life, the first ever movie I went to see was The Sound of Music with my auntie Gladys, Gladys Woods, in the gate cinema, which stood, you know, the bridge, that bridge with the awful bend. <laughs> well, there was an accident, oh, yeah. another accident yeah. yet again earlier on there. On the uh, West Street, Trinity Street side there, of that side of the bridge, that's where the gate cinema was, Sound of Music, I'll never forget it. And I still have a soft spot in my old heart every time I see the Sound of Music. I think of Gladys and that wonderful night when she brought me first as a child. Wonderful, wonderful. After two and late lunch, Sinead Kelly's here, vet. Halloween and your pets, she has all the answers. Taking us to news and weather, Phil it. I was just listening to Simon there on the news talking about the tickets for this Ireland-Portugal game on the 11th of November and that they've been offered for many times the face value. I'm going to give you a word of advice today on late lunch. Listen to me. Don't pay a euro extra than the face value for those tickets. Please don't. Not one euro pay for those tickets above the face value. Cop yourselves on. It's on television anyway. It's sold out. Ireland... Right, they've won two recent games. Look, if it was a big game with something at stake and you really wanted to go, there's nothing at stake in this game. Only pride for Ireland. Nothing, nothing at all. Yes, Ronaldo will be there for Portugal. So what? Portugal are going for qualification. Don't pay a euro extra. It's not worth it. Be assured it from an Irish fan of many, many years standing who's been there so many times in the commentary box as a fan abroad with them as well. Not one euro pay extra for those tickets against Portugal. Heed my advice. Please do. Anyway, Halloween is on the way. I'm starting to hear the cracks and bangs all over the place. I'm sure it's going to be like Beirut before the weekend. No disrespect to the Lebanese capital or the people there. God help them at this time. But anyway, you know Halloween and especially our four-legged friends, dogs and cats, what to do. Well, we're going to start off that uh, conversation today with one of our valued regulars, Sinead Kelly. Hello again. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Sinead, I know there are certain dogs who are trained to the gun and they're not gun shy. Not sure about the feline world at all myself, but anyway, I'm sure you're going to fill us in. What do you say to owners of dogs and cats and pets in general around Halloween time? What's best to do to protect them, you know, from the bangs and crashes and explosions? Yeah, a lot of it is, is common sense. So, um, for example, I mean, definitely make sure your cats and dogs are inside the house and not, not out wandering or out in the garden or anything like that. For example, also if you have rabbits and you have them in outside hutches, bring them inside um, just to at least make the sound a little bit less. Make sure the windows are shut. Um, make sure the curtains are drawn. Have either the telly on or the radio on. So it's a little bit of background noise. Um, and then try and just stay yourself as calm as possible. So if you're a dog or or your cat is one that gets very frightened every time something goes off. Sometimes there's a tendency with us as their mommy or daddy to be, oh, Jesus, like, uh, you know, kind of looking at the dog or the cat waiting for a reaction. And then the animal kind of feeds off us because they're picking up the anxiety. So in as much as you can, just try and carry on as normal. So certainly, you know, you can reassure your pet by stroking them if they're in the mood for being stroked. But don't, sometimes owners make this big, big fuss and they're like kind of, you know, really almost rewarding the anxiety. So the best thing to do is minimise the sound and the light by drawing your curtains, you know, shutting the windows, keeping them inside, having some background noise and just trying to, to be calm. Now, if you're, you know, someone who's kind of organised um, or maybe you want to think about it for next Halloween, 
there are actually um, different kind of uh, track soundtracks you can get um, that you can start uh, using maybe a few months before Halloween or it's even thing you can try now to if you have an animal that's sensitised to sound and they're basically kind of desensitisation um, tapes or recordings and what you do is uh, you very gradually kind of increase the frequency and the volume at which you play these over a period of months now obviously that's too late for this Halloween but just something to think about for next Halloween or if you have an animal maybe who's going to be anxious coming up to New Year you can actually access all these things online if you just look at, look up um, you know desensitisation um, you know uh, or noise phobia desensitisation for animals that can certainly help for the future now with it only you know a few days away and obviously we're in the middle of it the main thing is your calmness shutting out the noise you know minimising everything and if you have an animal uh, that is really really stressed have a chat with your vet um, so sometimes in the old days we used to you know give out um, low dose sedation of certain kinds of sedatives for, for dogs the, the kind of idea is like going away a little bit from that because the problem is that it's not really safe for us to give out or dispense medications um, that would have a significant sedating effect uh, because that would not be safe because the animal is not being monitored in, in a medical facility so what tended to happen was that animals were getting a kind of low dose of a kind of not very profound sedative and so often all it did really a lot of the time was just to make the animal feel a bit different uh, but not actually particularly sedated so um, I would say that's probably your last resort um, now what I've been doing this year um, and I'm kind of getting good feedback from it is using a different kind of drug um, a drug called gabapentin in, um, in in veterinary with, with clients or whose animals are very anxious and gabapentin is actually um, it's a drug that's used for neuropathic pain but it's also very good at, at kind of chilling you out and relaxing you as a side effect so often we use it uh, especially in cats before they come to the vets to try and reduce their anxiety levels and I've been hearing reports back from my clients that that, that does seem to be helping a little bit in calming them so Again, it's not a drug that's uh, licensed. We use it off-license, so we discuss that with the owners um, because it's not licensed for that use in dogs and cats. But it does seem to have a reasonably good effect and certainly not to have the side effects of the other sedatives. So if you do really feel mm. your animal is going to get very distressed, have a chat with the vet. The other thing you can try, um, if you have a cat, you can get these feel-away diffusers or little plug-in pheromones. They produce cat-appeasing pheromone, um, which is very good. Again, it's like a uh, helps the cat to kind of relax and feel a little bit chilled. For dogs, we have dog-appeasing pheromone that comes, again, either as a form of a collar, a dappy collar. Um, and so, again, a lot of the big, big pet stores will have those or your vet will, will have those as well. Mm. So it tends not to be one magical solution. It's a lot of different things. And, again, maybe think about the future, how you can try and desensitize the animals because okay. it, there's a huge variation. Some, some animals don't bother at all yes. and some do get very upset. Make sure, especially for cats, they've got somewhere they can hide. So whether it's under the bed, a nice little cozy little igloo bed or somewhere they can go and it's safe and they're and they're not, you know, going to feel pressurised. And the other thing to remember is that, especially with children coming around, trick-or-treating, the doors open and close, open and close, open and close, make sure that you know where the animals are and then maybe, because they might hear a bang of firework, get a fright and run out the door. So if you're going to be having people come into your house, then maybe think about putting the animals with one person, you know, a trusted family member in a room and, and they're in there. And so you know they're there, they're not going to get out the door, they're not going to get a fright because sometimes that happens, unfortunately. They just get a fright. Uh, the kids are all milling around at the door and, and out gets the dog with the cat and, and, so and then not. you're in real trouble and Sinead yeah. uh, people may think that we're maybe um, over emphasising you know the, the care of them and keeping them away from this and protecting them you've seen the fallout I take oh, it absolutely 
yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the animals, you know, mentally, they're extremely, extremely distressed. Um, and as they then, it can cause physical problems as well. As we know, in human health, it's the same in animals. There's a very strong link between your mental health and your, and your body. So there's a lot of stress-related conditions in veterinary. So often people might say that the animals, you know, say gut health or skin health might suffer as a result of, or urinary health, especially in cats, suffer as a result of stress. And so that is a stressful thing. And if we, if we rationalise it ourselves, um, you know, we can kind of rationalise and go, oh, well, okay, this is all to celebrate Halloween. The animals have no clue. So essentially it is just a terrifying noise and they think they're going to be killed. So it's as basic as that, um, you know, yeah. so they are in fear of their lives. So, so that's, that's the problem. Sinead, a couple of questions uh, we have for you uh, in today. Uh, uh, an English Springer just crossed 10 years of age. A listener says, uh, would you ask Sinead as regards exercising? He seems to be slowing up, doesn't want as much, like sleeping more. I suppose it's just the passing of time, is it, answering that? to say go with the flow with what the dog is happy with. Now I would say don't just write him off and say oh he's an old dog this is what I can do. I would definitely book him in for an appointment with the vet and get a little check up and a full exam. Uh, there are lots and lots of things we can do now uh, for dogs with arthritis in the same way that, that humans can have. We can use uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, we can use um, various different kind of nutraceuticals to help the joints um, we can use physiotherapy, hydrotherapy acupuncture. There are so many things and I see a lot of, a lot of the time, animals that maybe the owner had thought, they'd nearly be afraid saying to me, oh, I was afraid to come because I thought you'd say I had to put him to sleep. And I'm like, no, look, we can do this, that and the other. There are lots of things we can do. So if you feel he's getting stiff or sore and lame and he's slowing up a little bit, don't just say it's just age because, yes, it might just be part of the aging process, but it may be that he's in pain, he's uncomfortable um, and so you, you can get that investigated and medically treated and then once you know that your animal is comfortable and, and, and not in pain or, or discomfort, I would go with the flow with what the dog wants to do. Um, I mean, I know myself with uh, Her Royal Highness Princess Cleopatra, she would have run 15k every day in the past. Now, after she's had her spinal surgery and had a little stroke, she is brilliant, but she's just delighted to go for a 15-minute pot around the park once or twice a day. And that, she loves it, and just pot around the garden. And so you've just, again, what I think what she would have loved to do, and she would have been so frustrated if she couldn't do the other stuff, she doesn't want to do it now. So, again, you just go with, with what the animal wants to do. And so mm. we need to remember sometimes that if they're dogs, say, who love the stimulation, and as well, what we've got to remember is, you know, especially maybe when they're younger or depending on the dog, they actually physically need to run and run and run. But as well as that need, dogs are, they're, they're scavenging dogs, they're hunting dogs. They want the stimulation and the excitement and the, no, the, the smells and the sniffs and the sights. And I even, I marvel when I bring Cleo out because everything is just such a delight you know she's up mm. here there everywhere in her wobbly way just to get all the smell so it could be something as simple as you put the dog in the car you drive to the local park you literally pot around the park for five minutes you sit on the bench and let the dog pot around and then the dog can get all the sniffs and smells and interactions and meet other dogs and meet other people and, and as I say that's just as beneficial a bit like us if we get old and we just sit and lie around and do nothing just the mind begins to you know you begin to get isolated yes. and depressed and same for dogs so definitely get a vet check and then be guided be guided by the dog but definitely the other problem is as well the less you do kind of you're maybe going to get a little bit of muscle wasted a bit of stiffness so I think once you've had your health check and you're happy that you're 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 on medication if you need it and you're happy that we're doing okay you know think of alternative ways especially for dogs that they can get that stimulus just the the nose the dog's nose is just 
fascinating. If you mm. ever actually sit or stand and watch your dog taking all the smells, they just get so much fun from that. And that's something you can still do, even if your dog is, is not able to do your big, you know, five kilometre, ten yeah. kilometre hike. Okay, final question to you today. Could my cat be losing her hearing and would Sinead advise us to get the hearing tested? She doesn't seem to be responding anymore when we call or make sounds. She's just crossed nine years of age. Okay, part of me is laughing because I'm just laughing at cats and and, and responding to their names. Uh, It depends so much on a cat's mood and what's going on in their little heads and what they're deciding to do in in interacting with their their humans. Uh, So certainly, I mean, animals uh, like, like humans um, as we get older, in the same way that we can get arthritis of our of the joints in our limbs, uh, in our middle ear we have these three bones: the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup. And so you can develop arthritic change between those three bones. And if that happens, you can get an age-related degenerative. Um, hearing loss. Now, there's nothing specific you can do about it, but certainly, you know, you can go to your vet and they can uh, try and assess the hearing. So if it's something like that, you're going to be limited in what you can do, but the cat will probably make up for it in, in other ways with other senses. But also physically have a look at the ears yourself. Um, is there any discharge? Is there a lot of wax? Are they smelling? Because in the same way that humans can get a big buildup of wax and clog everything up, it could be just something as simple as maybe there's some ear infection or excess wax. So again, have a chat with the vet and, and mm. see, is there any real, any actual kind of physical barrier or, or obstruction. Um, and it may be that the hearing is okay and little Mr. or Mr. Cat is just deciding that you're, <laughs> they're superior to all other beings and they will not deign to answer to their name. As is their want, Sinead. Fantastic. Want, yeah, exactly. Thanks for the advice around Halloween and all else. Talk to you soon, Sinead. Absolutely, yeah. Talk take to you soon, Gary. Thanks Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Bye. the wonderful Sinead Kelly there. And do take care of them over the uh, holiday period. It is. And I like it kind of fright me if someone fires a banger beside you can imagine a poor animal they wonder what's going on and the effects of it can be severe as Sinead says there you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio mm-hmm. Karen Ross Mart it's the place to be we ever had a Mart Louise did you ever go to a Mart and sit in and watch the goings on that happens no? yeah did you? I did yeah used to be and uh, the, the little brought to one and trim I think where are you? Yeah, the nicks and nacks and the nods and the winks and yeah. you know the the usual. Fantastic! It's an education, isn't it, to go to it? And it's a day out as well for for the farmer and community. I went to RD Jimmy Shannon's place there. I did a lovely feature from it a few years back, and it was so interesting to be there and see what happened as well. Lovely place. The talent they have to spot a good cow. Oh, listen, listen. They know the boys and girls know they're in the business. They know their stuff. They really, really do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something like a. Uh, Part of tradition in the in in this country, of course, and, and even speaking the lingo, you know the way they kind of yes, the yes. option lingo, yeah, 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 yeah. Just I just reminded of it there, listening to the ad there. Anyway, have your shopping done? Shopping for what? The twenty fifth of December. <laughs> no, I actually don't. Not What's, this year. What? I gave up all that ages ago. Did you? Yeah, because I was left with stuff that just didn't suit people. I told you I'd learn you. I told you I'd learn you. Ask me mother, will I ever learn you? No, you might teach me, ma'am. Didn't I tell you I'd teach you? I'm delighted to hear that. She's moved at the times, uh, but she, she's not moving at the times. I'm going to tell you all our secrets. But you did a bit of a clear out, didn't you? We've talked about clutter on this I show before, and that you're the queen of hoarding. <laughs> she did a clean out our Louise, folks, and I was delighted with her. And then I saw her just looking at me, and in the next breath said, but went over to me sister's and I came home with a bag of stuff. She was doing a clear out too. 
<laughs> so put, a lot of them she have them. Put nice. one lot outside the door and brought another in the back door. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I was net really zero. Myself. Net zero. Not the oh, stop the lights. Anyway, did you get you did you got some lovely stuff? You're delighted I did, with your yeah. with your acquisitions. Well, you know Just what? You're re, you you you're really recycling, aren't you? You are. You're you know you're taking and and you're using as well. And anyway, there you go. I can't slag you on that. It's a net zero. Some out, some in, but things just I know, remain but I was the same. so proud of myself. You know, I kind of yeah. wrangled with each bit of clothing. I know. And I was, will I get rid of it? I know. Anyway, as soon as you wear the first piece, let us know, won't you? We want it. We want to see how you I did. Yesterday, you didn't even notice. What did you? Yeah. You have to tell me, so you know I'm about as perceptive as... There you go, Jerry. ...as uh, one of those, a, a mole or a vole that lives in the ground. I don't really see the things, to be honest with you. So now you have to tell me. That's the little agreement we have here. Live on the airways, you have to tell me from now on. Anyway, mentioning that big day on the 25th of December, it's not too far away. I don't like talking about it until Halloween is over. But anyway, it's never too early to make preparations because if you go onto the LMFM... Facebook page, you can be in with a chance to win a traditional, free-range, woodland, bronze turkey. Oh, I'm salivating, even mentioning it. Courtesy of Hogan's Farm Shop and Cafe just outside Kells, County Meath, of course. They're celebrating seven years in business this weekend. So do log on to hogansfarm.ie to find out more about their woodland bronze turkeys. I can tell you there's some difference between a bronzer and the traditional white. Their taste is just sensational. It really is. Anyway, Caroline Busher is standing patient by we will be talking to her shortly but ahead of our lovely chat yes we were going to have a lovely chat let's head towards our next break and community diary in the company of one of our finalists in Irish Music Month yes we have five vying for the title it'll be announced this weekend uh, on Smitherini with Claire Regan who is representing LFM, uh, LMFM in the national finals today we play Amy Chute for you she's a 20 year old singer songwriter from Dundalk she's always had a great passion for music and she's finally been able to put her own her very own song out and here it is enjoy the wonderful Amy Jude and Chasing Trouble I'm chasing trouble I've still to cross the line I'll be in danger but danger's what I like, I think I'm digging Digging my own grave, but I ain't got no The Ghosts of Magnificent Children votes for women, the Irish women's suffrage movement and the girl who ate the stars all did so well for her. So I'm not one bit surprised that her new one called The Legend of Valentine's Sorrow has been named Teen and Young Persons Book of the Year and in the last 24 hours, yes, it's been shortlisted for an Irish Book Award this year. The awards, of course, sponsored by On Post. I'm delighted to say hello for the first time on Late Lunch to Caroline Busher. Hello, Caroline. Hi, Jerry. I'm delighted to be here today talking to you and your lovely listeners. Thank you for having me on. Not at all. Well, you must be still on the cloud nine or 10 or 11 or 12 after this shortlisting announcement. 
Oh my goodness, I'm literally so excited. When my publisher Paula from Fullbeg phoned me, I just, I literally screamed down the phone because it's been a passion of mine for so long. And I write my books, but what I really want to do is get young people reading and literacy is so important to me. So to get an award for this book meant the world to me. And it's one of the best, one of my favourite books that I've wrote. So I'm really happy. Now tell our listeners about the genesis of this book because uh, most people listening today will be very aware of Bram Stoker and Dracula and this is the seed that really was sown that sent you down this road with this wonderful book. It really is because um, when I was a teenager I used to love Dracula and I wanted to write my own kind of vampire book but what I wanted to know was what inspired Bram Stoker to write Dracula in the first place, a man from Clontarf in Dublin and I did some research and I could not believe it when I found out that Bram Stoker's mother, Charlotte Thornley, she survived the cholera epidemic in 1832. And it was such a harrowing, traumatic event living through the cholera epidemic that she told these stories of what it was like to young Bram Stoker when he was bedridden as a child with an illness. And Bram Stoker, he went on to write Dracula and was inspired so much by the stories his mother told him of surviving the cholera epidemic that that's what made him write Dracula, one of the greatest novels ever. So, I mean, that intrigued me. And also my own mother is from County Sligo, as is was Bram Stoker's mother. So all these things, I just couldn't believe it when I started to research and I actually found her diary and oh my goodness, I just loved doing all the research for this book. Now, the book is for teen and young adults, as I mentioned there. Uh, you have children of your own. What ages are they? Are they younger or around the same age? Yeah. So, so I have um, a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a little boy who's 12 at the moment. So, right. yeah, they're, they're great. They love um, reading my books and telling me what they think of them. Um, but, um, yeah, when I was when I was doing all the research for this book, I had to do lots of trips to Sligo. And I also found it very interesting, Jerry, because I was writing a book set around the cholera epidemic at the time that we were going through a pandemic ourselves. Mm. So that was very interesting. Mm, very, uh, very apt and timely, may I say. So I'm just thinking, you see, that's why I want to know about your children. Are, are they your greatest critics and assists at the same time? Yeah. So sometimes they're like, really like, this is brilliant. Another time they'll be like, maybe if you did this differently or, you know, um, and my books are like to be historical fiction. So I love learning about the past and passing passing that on to young people. So I think one of my sons might want to go on to study history in college. So maybe I've, I've done a job well done there with him. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? And again, another link back to you and your wonderful talent. No, you really do have to let your mind, you know... Uh, you know, drift and go way out there to come up with a plot and the characters that you have in this book. As you said, Sligo 1832, a cholera epidemic is sweeping across Ireland and they have no vaccines, let me say, at that stage. And then you bring in, and that's the Bram Stoker link, isn't it? A plague of vampires. So the supernatural with the real world married together. Yes, I mean, I'm so obsessed with Irish history and folklore. I think we live in a, an amazing country, so much history all around us. Um, so what I do is I put fictional characters into history. So the little boy in my in my novel is called Valentine Sorrow, and a family of vampires fly over Sligo, and the little girl, a little girl vampire spots him, and she's always wanted a brother. 
So she persuades her fa- her father, the vampire king, to allow her to take Valentine's sorrow back to their lair. And he goes with them. Um, but there's lots of um, fun elements in the book. So I have them um, at a lighthouse off the west coast of Ireland. They're in Casino Marino as well, which is not another a nod to Bram Stoker because Bram Stoker um, grew up, of course, just down the road from Casino Marino in Dublin. So I try to have as many um, historical places that people will know and love in Ireland in the novel. And I had great fun writing it. Do you started this as you say during our own pandemic does a book like this I'm just curious you know how much time would you spend on did it take long to put it together you know from start to finish yeah, that's a brilliant question because it actually does take, a, the research can take you down so many paths and rabbit holes that you have to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and actually write the book now. So it takes me, Jerry, about a year to write a book from start to finish. But when I came across, you mentioned there about um, the pandemic we're going through now. And um, when I came across Charlotte Thornley's diary, that's Bram Stoker's mother, mm. an extract it said, Gradually, the terror grew upon us. And and by the time we heard it, it was getting nearer and nearer. It was in France, it was in Germany, and then it was in Ireland. And it really reminded me of COVID and what we've all been going through. So, you know, it's very similar, actually, in a lot of ways to how people, you know, lived through it in the past as well, through cholera, yeah. And with that year you mentioned there, are you a common go author that you take it up and work or are you at it consistently through that year you know is it always on your mind are you going back to as you said with the help of your children and others who read drafts etc how does that work yeah, so I actually, this sounds a bit strange now, Jerry, but I actually see the characters as real people. So I, okay. I get to know them. So I spend so much time thinking about my characters. What do they like? What kind of music would they have listened to? What books would they have read? I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. And I have um, a little shepherd's hut in my garden, which is where the magic takes place that I go out to write my books. So it does take a lot of time. And, you know, a, a lot of thought goes into the books. And that's why I think when you do get shortlisted for award like the Teen and YA, book of the year award at the irish book awards it means so much because you've been in your own head with these characters for so long and suddenly people are reading it and saying they really enjoy it so it's it's a dream come true really and you start in 1832 with this cholera epidemic and it takes you through to another year that uh, you know is a real bleak time in irish history 1845 and the great famine yes yeah exactly i mean i, I won't give any spoilers away, no don't yeah, but the book does go as far as, as that. And um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I do a lot of visits to schools and libraries across Ireland. Um, I'm a heritage expert with the Heritage Council of Ireland. And I often go in and I'm talking to kids about history. And it's amazing, you know, that when we talk about the famine, how little some kids know and how other kids will know lots about it. But yeah, we have a fascinating history. So it's, it's very um, interesting as a fictional writer to go into the past and set characters and imagining what life would have been like and it was a, a very bleak place to live in, in, you know, in the 1800s. It was a different world than we're in now, that's for sure. Did you find this, um, you know, a, a move away from the other two in a similar vein, the ghosts of magnificent children and the girl who ate the stars? Or is the basic premise of what you've mentioned there for the last few minutes uh, underpinning this one as well? Yeah, so um, the, the ghosts of magnificent children is set as well in 1848. Mm. So the famine... 
feature in this book. And it's about these children who get captured by um, a circus and taken to an island off the west coast of Ireland. And 100 years later, their ghosts appear. So again, it's another conversation with the past for me. It's like stepping into history and going on the journey that these characters take me on and just seeing where they where they bring me. So yeah, I, there's a lot that goes on in it. And I don't steer away from the realities of the past and what life is like for children in the past. So, you know, it wasn't as pleasant to make, like mm. in one of the, in the Ghost Magnificent Children, one of the boys um, works as a chimney sweep, you know, so job, jobs like that would have been typical for young kids in the 1800s. And then in the, in the Girl Who Ate the Stars, that's set around um, Ireland in, um, the, in 1940s. And it's about a, a real event that happened was when a bomb dropped um, during World War II on a village in County Wexford. And I imagined what would happen if um, a bomb dropped and some children went to a portal and, uh, where the bomb dropped and it brought them to another world where the children turn into wolves. Because, of course, as you know, Jerry, Ireland was full, was inhabited by wolves years and years ago. So so that was another interesting bit of history. So I, I really enjoy it. Like, I love what I do. It's an absolute joy of a job. You have a wonderful, you mentioned the word imagination there. You certainly have it by the bucket load, young woman. You say as well, and I quote you here, that the souls of our dead and loved ones watch over us. We are never truly gone. Yeah, I think that's the thing about stories and memory. I mean, you know, when when you think of your grandparents or people that lived before us or people that survived like Bram Stoker's mother, the cholera epidemic, you know, her diary is still there. And people, memories of her caused her son to go on and write the best novel ever. So I think that that I really believe our loved ones are never far away, at least in our thoughts and minds anyway, um, Jerry. So it's I really love that idea of stepping into the past. And also, I love encouraging children to write. And as you mentioned about imagination, I really believe everybody has an imagination. And if you struggle with spelling or writing, you know, that shouldn't stop you because everyone has an imagination. And if you can just write the story down, it's like telling a story through a pen like as if you're telling it you can always come back and look at the spellings and change them but I think yeah if you, everyone has an imagination so everyone can give it a go. When you have the likes of the wonderful Owen Colfer and Roddy Doyle describing this book in glowing terms it must be a great Philip for you. Uh, do you know what my heart was just I was was full when I got those lovely endorsements from Roddy and Owen. I mean, I, I do a lot of work with Roddy Doyle because I'm, I'm passionate about getting kids writing and literacy. So I was working with him on fighting words. I set it up in County Wexford here in the library services. And Roddy uh, offered to read my book, actually, and I, I sent him a copy. I didn't expect anything you know, more. But when he came back and said he, he was vivid and very, very entertaining and he loved it. I mean, I was just over the moon. I was really, really very kind of him. I really appreciated it. Is there more in the pipeline? You have a great publisher, I have to say, in Pool Beg. I'm so lucky because all I, I'm so, I think uh, children in Ireland and young people should see the um, Irish Ireland represented in books they read and Pool Beggar is just as passionate about that. So yeah, I've just signed another three book deal with them. I'm so excited. Yeah, thank you. And my next book will be due out next year. You're completely right. They're an amazing publisher and I'm very, very lucky to work with them. Well, you know what? You're, a tonic, may I say. You just lift anybody's spirits on a dark, dull, wet, late October afternoon and you've done great with this book. It is being regarded already as the teen and young adult book of the year, shortlisted for the Irish Book Awards now in that category. I wish you all the best. I hope you win. 
Oh, thank you, Jerry. You're so kind. And thank you to anyone that votes for me. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jerry, for having me on today. Not at all. You're very welcome. We look forward to the uh, three books that are coming down uh, the road from the wonderful Caroline Busher. Thank you for joining me. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Yes, the legend of Valentine. Sorrow is the name of the book. Have you a teen or a young adult? They'd love this book. They really would love this book. Have you a reader in your family? Are you listening to me today? If you'd like a copy, just uh, text me the answer to this. Who wrote Dracula? You've heard it many times. Who wrote Dracula? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Still to come on Late Lunch. What a contrast. My artists of the week are the undertones. And then we'll be having a chat with Michael English, who's coming to the Knightsbrook Hotel this Sunday night. He's thrilled to be back on the road. And he's a big fan club round the northeast and beyond. Michael with us on the show after three today. Big day in Mount Rush. Yes, Monica McEnany, it's her birthday. All your friends in the RD and the surrounding area want to wish you a big, happy 60th birthday. And heading to new sport and weather at three. Yes, this one's for you, Monica. Yes, enjoy. On your birthday this afternoon, it's train. The undertones. My artists of the week. Yes, going back to yesterday, John Peel believed that Teenage Kicks was so good. And a listener texted me in about this shortly uh, before the end of the show. He actually played it twice in a row. Twice in a row on the show on BBC Radio 1. It was unprecedented to do something like that, but he really did love it. And uh, the undertones, well, who were they? Fergal Sharkey, of course, was the lead singer, and he was joined in the band by John and Damien O'Neill, Michael Bradley and Billy Doherty. And from 1978 to 1983, they released four albums and 13 singles. And after hearing the John Peel, or John Peel extol the virtues of the new band from Derry, Sire Records signed the boys up on a five-year contract. They recorded their first LP in early 79, which spanned a number, spawn, should I say, a number of successful singles, including Jimmy Jimmy, Here Comes the Summer, and You've Got My Number. They had successfully toured the UK and Ireland and then headed for the States for the first time where they supported The Clash and they really did make their mark stateside. A raft of European dates followed before they returned to studio in late 79 into early 1980 to put down their second album called Hypnotised. But today I'm returning to that first album and this one, yeah... Jimmy, Jimmy, from my Artist of the Week, The Undertones, this Wednesday afternoon. That, incidentally, was their third single uh, from that uh, new first album. And it was their first top 20 hit in the UK. It reached number 16. And uh, an interesting thing about the single, they issued it in two different colours. You know, the vinyl is black normally. But they issued a green version of the single as well, which had never been done before. Sire Records did this and it certainly drew attention. So there was a green single, 
yes, and the ordinary black coloured vinyl single as well. Two versions of the same song out simultaneously. Just a little bit of trivia there for you about the undertones, my artist of the week, and I'll have more about them in words and song tomorrow on late lunch, round about this time. We're heading to our final break of the afternoon. Afterwards, we're joined by a man who is loved the length and breadth of the country, and he has a huge following here in the northeast, as I said as well. And he's coming to the Carrickdale Hotel. I'm sure he's delighted to be back performing. It's part of an Irish tour this Sunday evening, October 31st. We're having a word with Michael English next. Carrickdale Hotel outside Dundalk is the place to be this Halloween night, October 31st, because he's back on the road and I'm sure loving it, travelling up and down the country. And he's much loved in this land of ours and especially in the North East. I'm delighted to say hello again to Michael English. Michael, how are you? Hi, Jerry. Great to talk to you. And you too. Well, what does it feel like to be back up there in front of the lights and looking out at your adoring fans? That's fantastic, really, Jerry. You know, we started just last week after the best part of a year and a half being at home, and uh, it, it, a lot of a lot of emotions. Obviously, the show is is energetic and it's up and at you, and we want everybody especially after being at home for so long, to let down their hair and have a party and have a good time. So lots of emotions. You know, people very emotional, people uh, excited, people just wanting to finally, as I said, let their hair down. It's been fantastic. We've been in Cavan so far and West uh, West Mead and we're in Tullamore and Offaly tonight now. And um, it's just just a great feeling to be be back out there and to to know that it's, it's safe to to mm. do what we're doing. That's uh, most important for everybody who attends the show. Yeah, and you're moving about because you're down at Killarney the night before you come to us here in the North East as well. Did it feel a bit strange to be back out on the road and whizzing here, there and everywhere? It has because, you know, for the past year and a half all I've done is walked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. And uh, all of a sudden now you have to get in the car Mayo Friday night, Killarney Saturday night, Dundalk Sunday night. Yeah. It's a bit of a shock to the system. But you know what? When you step on the stage, Jerry, and you get in front of the people, you forget about the journey and you forget about yeah. everything that's gone on before. And you try to put your best foot forward and kind of hope to take off where you left off, take up where you left off and, mm. and uh, make sure that everybody has a good time because, because God knows, you know, as I said, people <clears throat> are, are certainly looking for a good night out or after everything we've been through and, and hopefully yeah. we provide that, yeah. Ah, you certainly do by the bucket full. But during that time, just to go back to it, Michael, the time of confinement, as I call it, and my God, such a testing time for everybody in the in the entertainment business. Did you sing? You mentioned you walked, but did you sing? Did you keep the old voice in tune or what did you do? <laughs> well, to say the voice is like a muscle you have to exercise. Yeah. I didn't <clears throat> I didn't exercise it too much now in the house here. Um I, I no, I'll tell you, I, I I was doing things that I thought I would never get a chance to do, you know. Mm. I mean I, I had just up until the lockdown started, I had been doing six and seven nights a week and I knew how to do nothing else. I, mm. I, I didn't do anything else for all those years. Um, and, but I just recently moved into a new house in in, in Nace and Kildare. And so I was cutting grass and painting walls and doing all things that I never thought I would get the opportunity to do. <laughs> yeah. And then I was I was going down to visit my mum and dad and sadly I lost my mum during the pandemic. Oh, no, so that was sorry. a big thing for our family. So, you know, there was lots of things that went on during the pandemic yeah. and... Uh, I'm just glad finally to be getting out there again because, you know, people say to me, what did you miss the most? I miss the stage, I miss the music, I miss the band, I miss the people I work with. 
I miss the bus, I miss even the travelling. Yeah. But the one thing that I miss the most, and I genuinely mean this, is was, was, was the people, because we were going around, as I said, six and seven nights a week, and so we knew everybody. Mm. And all of a sudden then we were cut off from those people. And I found myself whether it be painting a wall or cutting the grass, and somebody's face would come into my mind to that person in Dundalk or that person in Newry or that person in Killarney. Yeah. And I remember these faces and, and trying to think, Gee, I wonder how they're doing and how are things. So now finally, <clears throat> as I said, emotions are all over the place when we come on stage. Obviously people are excited, but looking at faces that we haven't seen for a year and a half and, and haven't forgotten about, but certainly... Uh, the, the, you know, a year and a half away from these people was was very tough. So that's the best thing about get, getting back. Well, the big news is you are back and you're in the Carrickdale Hotel this Sunday, the 31st. Doors open 6.30, show 8 o'clock, michaelenglish.ie, michaelenglish.ie for tickets. Or they can give the hotel a shout as well, Michael. Absolutely. And uh, show starts at 8 o'clock and uh, we'll be there for a long time because there's a lot of stuff built up inside us and a lot of songs <laughs> that we want to sing. So don't be in any rush home. <laughs> well, Michael, we're going to play out with one of your all-time favourites today. I wish you well and we're looking forward and your fans will be there in droves. Well done, Thanks. Michael. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Take Not care. at all. Good to talk to you. Take care of yourself. One of uh, Ireland's finest and nicest performers. He really is. And we're going to hear him now in a moment to finish out the show today. But just reminding you, Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Banban Goulding is with me tomorrow talking about safety. Your safety, girls, when you're out and about, perhaps in your own walking early morning, late at night, she has plenty to say. Lorraine Smith, she's hung up her wings after years in the air with Aer Lingus. She's back on Terra Ferma and Rick Cronje. He's a couple of cracking wines for you to recommend heading into the weekend. But we leave you today, yes, in the company of Michael English. Enjoy him. Remember again, he's in the Carrickdale this Sunday night. Carrickdale, give them a shout on michaelenglish.ie. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.30. Could I have this dance for the rest of my life? Would you be my partner Every night When we're together It feels so right Could I have this dance For the rest of my life The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Dundalk and Cavan Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you With over 300 cars to choose from We have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars In Drada, Dundalk and Cavan Low APR and zero deposit packages available See blackstonemotors.ie for more details When you're ready to pop the question The last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.